so gator wrestler. Uh, former accountant. Turned uh, part-time shop owner and bootlegger, or bootlegging contributor, I should Bootleg say. Bootleg supporter. Big Daddy. Don Garlitz. If you could describe this uh, dinner we just had in one word, what would it be? Awesome. That was way too nice. That was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. It's back. I'm uh, one of the hosts. And I'm Ryan Eversley. And I am the guy that you bitch to about edits. <laughs> <laughs> that's my place in life. Right. That's what this has come to. All right. So we're wrapping up a 8,000-mile uh, journey that took us four weeks and 20 states to accomplish, all so that you can get a dozen new completely free meals that you can complain about the timeliness of, or why didn't we get your guy, or... It's been six knows. weeks since the last batch. What is this? I'm owed something. Even though in previous years you'd have to wait a whole year. Right. But anyways, so, uh, we started our trip out, headed right after Petit Le Mans down to Florida, just outside of Gainesville, where we went to the Eaton's Beach Sandbar and Grill to meet up with Big, Big Daddy. Daddy. Don Garlitz, a 17-time champion of drag racing between the NHRA, IHRA, and AHRA. A lot of RAs on there. And the guy is literally considered the father of drag racing. He's the pioneer of the rear engine dragster, brought forward a ton of safety innovations that exist in the sport, and given a lot to the sport, which we'll hear quite a bit about. So he is our first drag racer. And if you're going to get a drag racer, yeah. Don Garlitz is pretty much as good as it's going to get. Yeah, we nailed it. So Don Garlitz didn't know us from Adam, came in, sat down, immediately got into storytelling. We talked about things like how much we both hate alligators. We hear a multitude of nicknames. Probably our first story where a paramedic handed someone their own foot. Um, and uh, a whole bunch of other lovely, lovely tales. None of this possible without who? Uh, that would be, well, first. You, Sean, without you. Well, while that may be true, people are still going to bitch about when they're getting edits. But you know what people do compliment? And we couldn't be more thankful that you do that. Would be, first, our uh, car is provided by Acura. Acura! And uh, this lovely Acura MDX, of course, would not be able to get here if we didn't have four phenomenal tires. Courtesy of... Continental Tire. Continental Tire. Continental Tire. One more time. Continental Tire. Try it again. Continental Tire! Please consult their website find out which one fits you best for what you do. Continental Tire. Uh, and of course, we wouldn't have been able to get here if we didn't have a fantastic three-time NASCAR champion driving us around. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Tony Stewart. So, Tony, thank you for driving. Seriously, you idiots. I have to go pee. I take it back. Never mind. Okay, jeez. Wow. And, uh, wow. yeah. So, should we uh, hear some Don Garlitz? This guy was the coolest. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five... Four, three, two. We weren't sure if that was you. How's it going? Whichever seat you prefer. Whichever one. Your call. So you're saying you have trouble hearing. Um, I don't know why, after 60 years of track racing, why that would be a problem. Yeah, but, uh, well, there's something you don't know. I, I was nine years in the artillery. 
Oh, wow. 105 okay. millimeter, no air protection whatsoever. And that, I'm sure that did as much damage as all the racing because yeah. it was early. Yeah. From, uh, from 17 to um, 25, I guess. And that really. Where did you ship to? Where did you ship to? In the 116th Field Artillery in the 51st Infantry Division, I was in the Korean conflict. Wow. That was okay. my deal. Yeah. And I never saw any action or anything, but it was close. Yeah. Thank God. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, they use, the artillery is the first thing they got to get out. You know, they got to get rid of them no matter what. Yeah. Because it's, they can be used against we them. We can lob those shells 25 miles, and we had nuclear warheads, you know, tactical yeah. nuclear never used any of them but, right uh, something else it's a whole nother world so they so they would keep you guys 20 miles behind the lines and you'd have to keep moving with it yeah uh -huh. yeah yeah so uh, artillery shell goes off like can you not hear for the next hour how does that work you know it it, it did young didn't bother us at all right it all came later yeah <laughs> exactly um, they stand out there now some of the crew chiefs right by the cars and just they don't have any ear protection they don't care Shirley yeah. Muldowney to this day never used an earplug here's perfect really but that's an exception to the rule yeah. yeah 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 so is this is this your neck of the woods is this your restaurant I love this place I yeah. I almost bought property on this lake but I didn't because it's it's a little boring it's okay. just a great big pond. <laughs> I actually said that when I got here. I was like, well, it's, it's just. I, <laughs> yeah. The lake I bought on is, is interesting. It's the Inverness uh, Pool, and it's thousands of lakes, over 8,000 square acres. Okay. And there's none this big that you see across, mm -hmm. but pretty big, but all connected with canals sure. and everything. And yeah. I've been there three years now, and I, I still haven't seen it all. Okay. Sure. Oh, yeah, right. There you go. And I have a... My, the wife and I have a boat, and we just we just go off on a cruise, and we take one. We, we have a map. Okay. Wait, wait. When you mean a map, you mean a phone? A water map. <laughs> and it tells us where we can go. Okay, yeah, right. And uh, it, it'll take years to explore. Sure, yeah. Lots of alligators, good bass fishing. So I, I took eight alligators out of my property because they're territorial, mm -mm. and I didn't want alligators up on my shore eating my dogs and stuff i understand how do you do how do you take alligators out i call the fish and game commission uh, and okay. tell them that i have a, a problem a pest and yeah. they send the, the hunters out okay. and they they uh process them they sell the hide and the, the meat and okay. they get them yeah, one okay. was eight foot wow. they won't take little small ones so sure, the little sure. small one hangs around about like that but he'll get bigger but you know, they're not dangerous, except the son of a bitch ate my squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pet squirrel that I raised from Aww. a baby, and I'm sure he got it. Because she would go down to the water and drink, and she had no idea this thing was out there. Yeah, right. yeah, and there yeah. was no way I could explain it to her. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I wanted her to go back to wild, you know. I yeah. didn't want it in a cage. Yeah, yeah. I had it in a cage for a while, and it was really neat. I call it out of the trees, you know. And come down and eat and crawl all over me. And then after it played a while, they go back up in the trees. And and then I watched her go over here by the water and eat, drink. And I saw this little gator, the little eyes about that far apart, you know. And boy, it come right up and I, baby. And it jumped out of the water, but it didn't know what it was. And I'm sure yeah. that he, right. once, once the predator knows there's prey, comes, 
This is a famous one in Africa. Okay. That's where the lions eat, and mm-hmm. the crocodiles at the water's edge. Right. And the alligators are the same way. Sure, sure. And I'm sure I ate it right up because all of a sudden one day it didn't come out of the trees no more. Right, right. So you were, you were born in Tampa, and so you've been Florida your whole life. Yeah, yeah, th- in Bayshore Boulevard, Tampa 1, Florida. Oh, wow. That's your whole life. Nailed it. That's cool. That's cool. And uh, two years in Michigan, in okay. Detroit. I spent 66, 65, I was in uh, in Michigan. With, like, with a factory program? Yeah, I was. Uh, they wanted me to move up there and open up a shop because I did lots of R&D for them. Sure. Still do. Sure. Believe it or not. I, I can recently converted... Uh, uh, a 392 on the late model platform 2007 into a supercharged blown top fuel motor they wanted to see how it would do yeah. and i still got it it's in my cackle car it runs great and you're 87 i will be 87 okay. in january right wow okay i'm yeah. coming up on it yeah. that's crazy that's awesome yeah i've seen the management change there like five times sure. in fact i just got a new boss at mopar a new young guy my my older guy retired they just get old and they they don't want to do it anymore sure, sure. how how young is your new boss he's looks like about 30 something like that so how does how does that first interaction go with a 30 year old corporate boss well and, at first they, daddy. at first i'm sure they wonder what in the world is going on and then after they work with me for a little while they say oh my god yeah well how does he do it you know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> well you know the the truth of the matter is it you got a lot of information in your head you know right. well and not if me. you don't get senile and yeah. you don't get crippled up you're a valuable asset to anybody absolutely because you, you've got so much information that they can use, you know. Right. It, it reminds me of the, I, I've studied the, the, the apes in Africa. Okay. The young males keep the old males going and allow them to breed with the young females as long as they can to keep them around as long as they, because they are so smart and they can learn so much from them. Okay. Oh, right. So it's like you want them to be as healthy as possible so they can see, right. keep teaching. Yeah. yeah. Keep learning from okay. them. Exactly. So Mopar right. is letting you breed still? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, have you ever tried to pitch this to a young lady? <laughs> that sounds like a good sales pitch. Yeah, it's a good sales pitch. Like if right. you're, uh, uh, you're, like if you were ever trying, are you single? Are you married? He's married. Well, you're I married. haven't, I was married for 61 years okay. and I lost my wife in February 2nd, 2014. Okay. And then I went, I went into a state of depression because, you know, that's that. this was our, my high school sweetheart. Yeah, that's a long time. And, uh, she, you know, she was with me through everything. Sure. The, the accidents, the fires, the whole bit, and then she's gone. And she was suffering so bad at the end, I was actually praying for the Lord to take her. But when he did, and she was actually gone, in a couple of days I realized that no matter how bad she was, I didn't have her anymore. She was really gone. I, I went into deep depression. And, I, and to, what aggravated that situation was so many of my friends had died bef- even before me. At, you know, at my age, you know, that, at late 70s, they really start kicking off, you know. If all the stuff starts to happen. And almost... And, and see, I came out of the era where you married your high school sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. And you stayed married. Sure. We believed it was forever. And uh, almost to the person within a year or so that, that they were dead to. 
and it was just because they didn't have the will to live anymore. Sure, yeah, this and, is, uh, I don't worry about this. Yeah. It was over, you know. And I, by the grace of God, I ran into this young woman. She was 33 years younger than me. Oh, man. My boy. <laughs> and uh, she was a reporter, photographer of the banner, and she was doing a story on the Corvette show we were putting on. And I, they, they, my daughters drug me out of the house to look at the cars, you know, getting out of the house. Dad, you're just wasting away in there. And I said, well, there's nothing for me to live for. Oh, my God, there's all this stuff out there going out there. Look at those beautiful cars. And I was walking through the cars, and I looked up, and this woman was coming at me, and our eyes met, and we were as far away as those people, the ladies at the cash register. And... I, there was a spark. There was just, she wasn't real beautiful, but she was very attractive to me. And uh, I smiled at her and she smiled at me. And she asked me about one of the cars and I told her something about it. And uh, she said she was doing a story for the paper on the show. And uh, she, she knew about my situation. And she says, do you... Do you have a bike? I said, yeah. Yeah, I got a bike. I got my pit bike. I never had a scooter. Okay. I always rode a bicycle in the pits. Yeah. And that's a, that's a story in itself. It's so cute. <laughs> We're coming back to that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make a note. And, uh, uh, she says, I put it in your truck and, and meet me tomorrow at the Inverness Trailhead. Do you know where that is? I said, yeah, because my brother's in a nursing home. So she asked Inverness. you out. Asked me to go on a bike ride. But she was the one that said, let's go on a bike ride. Yeah. Just going Don for it. Has and, uh, That's yeah. right. I, I, I suspect my daughters might have put her uh, up to okay, that. Okay. Okay. Because they were doing everything. Yeah. And yeah. sicking somebody to, on me. to take care of you, you know. Well, yeah. they didn't want me to die. Right, you know, right. and, and I was surely going to. So I went out there, and she had this, this mountain bike. Uh, it didn't weigh nothing. And I had my Swin. It was a 78 Swin nice. that I had bought from the Swin dealership in 1978. It was getting my starting to hurt me to walk too much in the pits, and I always like to run around and see everything. And I showed up at, I rode it down the pits at Union Grove, and Grumpy Jenkins says, "Big, where'd you get the bike?" I said, "I bought it over to Swin Shop in Racine." You spent money. I said, yes, just this once. Because <laughs> I was known in drag racing as the, as the, the tight guy with the money. Because yeah. I, my father taught me when I was, I'll never forget it. I, my first job I ever had was I cleaned out the stable for the next door neighbor. Okay. 1938. Yeah. And they gave me a dime. Okay. That, was, that was big then. Yeah, well, right, yeah. That would buy a gallon of kerosene. Yeah. Well, you, were, you were effectively sure. born right in the thick of the Depression, oh, yeah. right? So, yeah, well, so I, what was Tampa I like was at the time? I was born on a really nice home on Bayshore Boulevard. I just gave you the address. Yeah. 3711. Yeah. And within two months, the bank said, this is 32. See, the, the stock market uh, crashed in 29, but it didn't get to the banks till 32. Right. And the, the banks crashed in 32 around March or so and everything just went upside down my mom and dad had to move out of that house on Bayshore and they had a little bitty farmhouse out in um, off the Falkenberg Road called Fisher Farms and that's where we had to go yeah. from yeah. this real fancy place right, to right. this one room thing yeah. and uh, that's a whole story in itself 
about I almost got burned to death in the fire. The, they were sharing the place with this other couple, and they got really mad when they come from Tampa. They were supposed to have this whole cabin. Uh, they're sharing it. Yeah. And now all of a sudden my dad and mom and the baby's in there with me. They had no place to go. They have a roof over their head. And uh, they were fussing and fighting about it. And then finally the guy left. But what he did, my mom and dad went down into the field while they packed and got out so there wouldn't be any physical violence. Sure. And they torched the place so with no the baby one, in, in so the no house. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. whoa. Yeah, and so my, they look up there, and there's smoke coming out of the windows, and my mom screams, oh, my God, the baby. And boy, and my mom was a lot younger than my dad. He was 38, she was 22. And they make a beeline for the house, and my mom just outruns him, you know, to, and gets to the back door. And the sons of guns had hooked the back door from the inside. And she's struggling with the door, but my father was really smart. He was an engineer at Westinghouse when, and was on the team that invented the electric iron, electric fan, electrical <laughs> engineer. Yeah. So That's amazing. He, he realized there wasn't time to mess with that. that yeah. The flames were getting bigger. He ran around the front door, and that one wasn't locked, went right through a wall of flames into the baby crib. And, the, and the, the mosquito netting was falling in my face on fire. Yeah. And I carried those scars to high school. Jeez. And uh, he grabbed the baby up, and he had on a World War I wool jacket. He whipped that off, wrapped it around the baby because it's got to go back through the fire because the fire was worse at the front door. And he ran through that fire and tossed that whole bundle to my mother, who caught it and uh, r- unwrapped it real quick, and I was fine. But my dad got burned real bad getting out. I, I estimate there was probably 30 seconds of time between that not happening yeah, right, and, and me not being sure, here. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. So smoke, I was, smoke alone, I, yeah. I was christened in fire. I was going to say, yeah. this is all adding up. Yeah, this like, is what's going to terrify this, you. Yeah, <laughs> this is setting you up for a life of sitting behind big flaming things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Right. What's okay. a little fire? Smoke. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, you were going on a bike ride <laughs> with your lovely new wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got off the subject here. That's, we do that a lot. So, it's yeah, okay. So that's part of the fun. Yeah. We unload these bikes at the Inverness Trailhead <laughs> out of my truck. Uh, my bike out of my truck, okay. her, her bike out of her car. Yeah. And we ride off about five miles. And I'm telling you, I'm huffing and puffing. <laughs> and she says, what's wrong with you? I said, are we going to go much further? She said, um, let's swap backs. So I got on her bike, and it was like nothing. Yeah, right, right. I mean, those things were neat. And she got on my bike, and she only rode it a couple hundred feet. She said, give me my bike back. <laughs> we we got to get you to a bike shop. This ain't a bike. This right. is this is a piece of primitive stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, all steel. And, yeah, right. And one no, gear one speed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, got, I bought a nice giant is what it was, yeah, I which I still have. And uh, I did a uh, the end of that story is I did a 50-mile bike ride uh, a year and a half ago and was on the cover of Good Life magazine what? here cool in Ocala. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, it okay. took five hours, and she did it with me. Yeah. Very cool. Man, nothing stops you. We yeah. went 25 miles down toward Brooksville on that same trail okay. and stopped for 30 minutes and had lunch and then pedaled back. And again, you are 87. This, well, I, mean, uh, I was 84, I thought. Oh, okay. Okay. You were young, yeah, young pup still. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so uh, most of our fans are more IndyCar, sports car types, uh, road racing. 
Um, so the name Big Daddy Don Garlitz, everybody knows, but but I would say most of our fans who are sort of younger may not know the heritage of not just drag racing today, but really what it was like in your era of, of you know, how it went from front engine to rear. We, we, we figured no one better than you to, to kind of guide us through that. So, you know, you grew up in a very different era, depression era kid. So, you know, you couldn't just go out and buy a drag car. You had to become somebody very mechanical and learn how to do everything, correct? Well, no. I, I'm a, actually an accountant by trade. I have my degree. What? I, what? You're and I, back. Was, I, okay. I was three months into my job and my <laughs> stepfather said to me, I can see you're not happy in your work. Yeah. And I had worked with him. He had the dairy. We, when my mom divorced my dad in 42, the, the man had a small dairy and uh, 50 head. And we, I worked with him every day before work, before school, and after school. And for three years, we milked those cows by hand. And then we got the surge machines, and I'll tell you, that was a blessing. Yeah. And then I, I worked with him till I graduated out of high school in 50, eight years. And then I went right into the, the big department store in Tampa because in those days, that high school diploma for accounting was all you needed. Okay. That way you knew all the debits and credits, and, right. then, and then you learned a system. So we're... Were you a tinkerer as a kid? Were you building your own bikes oh, oh, or anything like I, that? With my father, I never cared about make-believe toys. Okay. I always wanted to be in the shop working with him, and he was always made. He had a whole great big shop with machines and everything. Okay, so you, you didn't have G.I. Joes and action figures. You no, weren't no. purely, I, I want to work I, on I, stuff. I, I only remember as a toy a balloon okay. that I blew up that had a merry-go-round painted on it okay and that was about the only toy other than you know i had wagons and sure. and tricycles and stuff like that but and then right away the two-wheelers what about uh iphone apps what iphone apps did you use at the time? <laughs> none yeah. oh, okay yeah. did you have an ipad pro is that what they call it oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, i'm gonna tell you it has changed yeah. believe me but anyway so you were a tinker but you decided accounting yeah my mother and wanted me to be a bookkeeper okay because uh, we didn't have enough money to send me to college for sure. a doctor or an engineer but she the because the bookkeeping accounting degree in high school was all you needed and that gave you a real good white collar job i the job paid 39.50 a week and that i was making more money right off the bat than my stepfather was making at the dairy. No kidding. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah the yeah. dairy just barely fed us. Okay. There was no extra money to speak right. of. And all of a sudden, I had all this money, and I and he was telling me I wasn't happy in my job. I said, what are you kidding? I make more money than you do now. He says, money <laughs> isn't everything. He said, you've got to love what you're doing. He said, you love cars. He says, you need to be into cars, mechanical, okay. because okay. he said, you you, you'll be successful because you love it so much. He says, you'll put so much more time into it than anybody that didn't love it. Yeah. And, oh, my mother had a fit because she thought mechanics were grease monkeys. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah that makes bad sense. news. Well, Especially well, you're in 1950. Yeah, right. My girlfriend, that was my girlfriend from the 12th grade. The, the wife was later. Okay. A, a, she was a sophomore. Sure. But the, the 12th grade girlfriend, one, she was a clerk in the same store at the bookkeeping and she would ride with me i'd pick her up every morning and take her in we weren't engaged but we were talking about it sure when i told her i was quitting moss brothers and going to go to i was going to go to work in a radiator shop 
she never spoke to me again. <laughs> I, I like, didn't even take her home that afternoon. She, that she, was it. she found another ride. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It, was, it was devastating. Yeah. She said you would quit your nice job at Moss Brothers to work in a stinking radiator right. shop. Right. Yeah. Have you lost your mind? Yeah. Now, what what were you doing for your dad to know you were really into cars? Like, did you have your own car that you were souping up, or well, were you drag racing? What had happened? I'd saved up this money to buy my first car. I really wanted my own car. I, yeah. I just love cars. Of course. Mom and Dad had come down from New Jersey in this Model T uh, panel yeah. delivery. Okay. And it was parked down in the woods. In those days, they didn't always trade the cars in you. They just parked them and got another one. And my brother and I spent every minute of our time down there working on that thing, yeah. trying to get it running and, and turning it over because it cranked, you know, and, and it didn't have any gasoline or anything in it, you know, but we didn't realize that. <laughs> but, I mean, I was, we were just so – and my brother, too, he, he ended up being a mechanic, too, you know. Okay. We're so in, in – intrigued by the motors you know yeah. and the, so it was just there you know it was something that was there i have no training whatsoever in the in motors right everything was just picked it up uh, in motor manual that yeah. was when we had our own shop uh, and if it was something we didn't know how to do we took the job in anyway yeah, and just right. open up the motor manual i never forget the first automatic transmission had never been inside automatic transmission and the guy says i need my hydromatic rebuilt it, you know it's slipping okay and leaking yeah and so i'll do it and that it was fifty dollars and that include the fluid yeah, right. parts yeah, right. and so right. we took it in and i, I called a, the tool guy i said i need the transmission jack that jacks it up and mm -hmm. pulls it out and i still have that by the way in oh, the museum cool. wow and uh I shut the doors, and it's night. I, I cleaned off the bench. Oh, I had the tool guy also give. There was a couple of special tools you had to have. He had all that, and all I right. got bought all that. Took that transmission out, put it up on the bench, took it apart little piece by piece with my motor manual. They did all out, saw all the stuff that was bad. The next morning, called the auto parts store. They had everything, ran down and got it, put it all back together, and it worked perfect. There's no it, problem at all. There's nothing magic about it. Right. Just nuts and bolts and reading. A manual. And following that following manual. Yeah, yep. exactly. And uh, then, of course, because of my racing, I, I soon learned that there was a different planetary you could put in there and make it close ratio <laughs> the four speeds, you know. Right, right. And so I used to do that, and there was a couple of things you could do. You raise the pressure just a little bit and some tricks, and it became a racing hydromatic. Sure. And, oh, God, everybody wanted them, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so then you became the guy, right? So you you leave your cushy accounting job. You uh, you, 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 you become get, a grease monkey. You become yeah. a grease monkey. You get yeah. rid of the girl who doesn't appreciate it. Um, where does racing start coming in here? Like, were you always doing illegal drags? I, or? Uh, not too long after that. Yeah. Um, uh, about, oh, I guess 18 or 20 of us racers all got together, and we had heard about this uh Air, uh, Army Air Corps training base in Zephyr Hills. Okay. And uh, it was just in a cow field. Okay. It wasn't being used. So we got a couple of the guys that were older right. and more refined and, and how to talk, you know, the good talkers. And we sent them up to Zephyr Hills to the see the county commissioners about letting us use that field. 
and they they said they would. They'd let us do it. And so at this time, the war was over, and there were airfields all over the place that were oh, sort of decommissioned, especially right? in Florida, because yeah. see, the, it was good weather, and they could train twelve months out of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the only so thing was like a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. And and so they were everywhere. Right. And so we used to. Well, there was times that we used to cut the fences and go in and race on yeah. them. You know, when it was just out in the middle of a cow pasture. Of course, they'd get mad at us, you know, doing that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this wasn't like that. This one was you could go to it. And okay. it's a regional airport now, okay. by the oh, way. cool. Okay. And they, they, they sent a sheriff out there to sit with us. and Just to make sure. And that was the first actual where it was all legal. Uh, nobody can, No trophies, no times. But le- that evolved into what stopwatches, and, but never trophies. Okay. It was always just for fun. And everybody, in no classes, everybody just raced race everybody. what you got. Yeah. So at what point do you start becoming the guy of the area? Well, I, I, then I met my wife. Okay. And, and But at that point, the drag racers were just black leather jacketed hoodlums, 51, yeah. 52. And so I, I met this this young lady. I was, at, I was at the gas station where we buy all the gas. It was a snowco because we could buy the pure concentrate. Ah, and then you have the stuff. high compression. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> and so I pulled in there one afternoon, and the guy, Wayne Neiman, was the, the, the kind of like the, the jockey there, you know. Mm-hmm. The owner was inside and sold the tires and stuff. But he ran out, and this is when they pumped your gas. Sure, you know? sure. He ran out and pumped the gas and checked your oil and everything. And he said, and I was good friends with him. He said, you want to go out to the lake and water ski? I said, I've never water skied, but I'd like to try it. He said, okay. He said, I've got my boat hooked up. I'll be off in a few minutes. Uh, we'll just run out there. And uh, so he had a, a 37 Ford that had been a 60-horse car, and he'd put a 100-horse in it and left that low-speed rear. Okay. And okay. so it was quick. Yeah, you know, yeah. He, he'd be sure guys at stoplights. There yeah. were a lot of stoplight racing right, yeah, yeah, in yeah, those yeah. days. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't go real fast. They don't go as fast on the stoplight then as they do now with regular cars. Right, sure, right. Sure. These yeah. things are fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went out to this lake, and what had happened, He, his girlfriend that he was trying to hook up with, he knew she was going to be out there, that she's going out there with her girlfriend. Okay, yeah, And he yeah. didn't want to go out there and be a threesome. Got so to have a wingman. Had yeah. to come up with somebody right. for the other girl. And that was Pat. My wife okay. that I married. Yeah, and uh, how did so, how the other two fare? Did they get married too? No, no, no. They okay. didn't get, no, right. they didn't get married. <laughs> no, the other one was a little faster number. No, she had she had bigger <laughs> plans than than my than my girlfriend. Copy, copy that. Yeah. Copy that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> funny. I, I took one look at this this girl and I. And I had lots of girlfriends, you know, because I had a convertible. And, yeah. And they loved to put the top down. Hey, girls like the bad boy, and you're the guy riding around with the hot rods yeah. at this point, right? I yeah. used to call that thing the Mayflower. So many came across in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was a fan before. Um, but do you yeah. want to go on a road trip with us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So that's how you met. That's how you met your wife. So, so yeah. I, we water skied, and then her and I rode around in the boat. Of course, that gave him time to sit in the car with the other girl and make out, you know. Right, right. So, and so I, um, I called her and asked her for a date, and and she said, okay. I said, I'd like, to, but she says it's got to be a double date. Somebody's got to go with us. My dad won't let me go on a date 
by myself. Yeah. She she was 18. Okay. Already, Ma- imagine that. Well, how old are you? Uh, well, this is 52. I was 20. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. So much younger. Yeah, and so, uh, <laughs> yeah, much. <laughs> Robin, Robin the cradle. <laughs> and so, I showed up with this 40 Ford. She hadn't seen my car yet, see, because okay. I'd rode out there with Wayne. Yeah. My car was the 40 Ford with the Cadillac motor. That, yeah. Nice. That yeah. I went to the drags with. Yeah. Originally had a Mercury, and I put a Caddy in it. And uh, she come running out of the house, and they, it was a little motel that was and they they owned on Nebraska Avenue, and a house where they everybody lived and lived there with their grandmother and grandfather mm-hmm. and sister and some aunts and all, all sure. from Kentucky. Right. And she come running out to the car, you know, when I pulled in. And the daddy come right out behind her. Yeah. And he did a little slow walk around yeah. the car. Yeah, here's this grease know. monkey with his drag car. Right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, he probably a heard hot, you pulling up. A hot rodder. Yeah, exactly. A hoodlum. Yeah, yeah you're, you're in trouble. And he leaned in that window, I'll never forget. He looked me right in the eyes, and he said, have her home by 11, boy. Oof. Oof. <laughs> what were you wearing? I was just regular, like this. Okay, I, I, not like I a leather jacket. I never went the black, black leather jacket. Now, okay, okay. today I have lots of black leather jackets, and <laughs> right. I wear them on purpose. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but, you, but you cleaned it up, came over, picked her up. And and, and yeah. so I we went to the movies, and with the with, I forget who it was even with us, because I only remember her. We went to the drive-in movies, and I dropped her off by 11. And I went straight down to the Ford dealership the following Monday. And uh, a guy worked there that I'd graduated with was a salesman, and he loved that Ford with the Cadillac motor. And he always said, if you ever want to get rid of it, come see me. So I said, i got to get rid of this car. I explained to him the problem. He said, i got just a car for you. He took me out there on the lot and had a 50 Ford, two-door sedan, Hawaiian bronze, standard stick, with 10,000 miles on it, and it came out of Ocala. Isn't that unreal? Marion County, because it had 11 on the tag. He said, this belonged to a little old lady school teacher, and she traded it in on a brand-new 50 Ford, and she don't drive it very much. I was going to say, it's probably perfect, right? And so so the next date is in the Ford, which is like a week later. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, out comes the daddy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. walks around the car, leans his head in the window, and he says, I see you got something you can get back and forth to work in every day. Yeah. Because, like, see, the other one wasn't reliable. Yeah, that's yeah. not a real, you're yeah. not an adult. Yeah. yeah. And, and it was really important that you get back and forth to work every yeah, day. Because yeah. you got to provide. You're going to provide for his daughter, right? That's right. Yep. So the following, this is this is in May. The following Christmas, we decided to get married, and uh, I'll never forget it. it. was Christmas Eve when we announced it to the parents, mm-hmm. and that mother's face went ashen. Oh. <laughs> I got a picture of it. It's in my trailer. I have a, a trailer, my touring trailer. Yeah, sure, right. Yep. It has 510 pictures on this yeah. one wall on a wrap, and that picture's up there. Yeah. And she's... No. And Daddy's got a little smile because he don't have to worry anymore now. Right. He's, it's your problem. Yeah, his yeah. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. Right, yeah. right, right. Oh man, that's so funny. That's excellent. And so for one year, I never went to the dry. So you I kept did, it clean. I did you're, put you're, dual exhaust on it. Okay, I, still I, had I told little, her it was right? for yeah. better gas mileage. Yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> we're married, and we got married on February the twentieth, nineteen fifty-three, and on March. 
we packed a picnic lunch and we're going over to the Bach Tower, which is in Lake Wales. And we're driving down Route 60, coming into Lake Wales on the west side, and the, the airport is over there, the Army Air Corps field, yeah. abandoned Where again. Race, yeah. And there's a tiny little sign there like this that says, drags today in an era. And I said, they're drag racing down there. Would you like to go check it out? And she's, yes, I would, because she'd heard all about my drag racing days but never saw any of it, you know. So we pull in with the 50 Ford, and the guy says, that'll be 50 cents each to, to, to come, come to the race. Yeah. Do you want to run it? I said, yeah. He said, that's 50 cents more. Okay. And he put a number on the window, and I'm in stock class. Right. Yeah, perfect. I got something for you. And yeah. I won the race. <laughs> wow. I won my first trophy. It's a little trophy about this high, a little sure. girl on a plastic thing. It sits in my office. I still have that, too. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Cool. And I wouldn't take $10,000 for that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a real. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It's the first one. Yeah, first yeah. trophy. It's a big deal. And, uh, and it, was, it had turned in. It was real family-oriented. Everybody's out there. The little kids was out mm-hmm. there with their daddies, and everybody was having a good time. It wasn't, it wasn't like the stock car racing in Tampa okay. at the quarter mile Phillips Field, which was rough. Yeah, a lot of yeah. fights and yeah. They, oh, they they yeah. got nasty because right. they bumped into each other yeah. purposely. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And is your wife on board with all of this? Oh, she loved so it. Like, she, on okay. the on the thirty six Ford, I worked in the body shop all day long, and we worked on the car at night, and she was right there with me holding lights and everything. I mean, yeah. okay. we built that one together. That's a keeper. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. That's so and cool. Dick Schofield had a car lot in Tampa, and he was a racer type guy. And he bought this real trick roadster, T-roadster, from California. I mean, it was one of those time with the nose in the front, you know, and a small radiator grill. And it was really a trick piece. And uh, so he said, I got some mechanics here. This don't look so hard. So he picked up a T-roadster, a stalker, and brought it to the car lot and told his boys, Make one like this from this. Why? They wouldn't have no talent like that. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're not going to be like, oh, we got it. Yeah. yeah. I went to the went into the lot, and I said, Dick, I said, they wasn't working on it anymore. It's just piled up out there. He says, I said, this. what are you going to do with that roadster? I says, my boys didn't have time that, yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> fix it. That's the way of putting I said, it, yeah. What do you want for it? He says, 50 bucks. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> and he was tickled to death to get the pile of junk off his lot, you yeah, know, because yeah. it wasn't, didn't look good out there. And he's probably pissed he didn't get what he wanted. And so yeah. a couple, one of my buddies had a truck, and we carried it out to my house. By now I'm in my own house that I built myself on 22nd, uh, 122nd Street. So I, I got me a big, long extension cord. I made it. A, a, a 220 extension cord yeah. and I plug into the range and then I my wife had bought me a Craftsman welder for Christmas oh, a wow. buzz box nice. I yeah. still have that too <laughs> and I awesome. plug that thing in out and that was built under the oak tree okay that 36 was built at the body shop where I was working, but they didn't want that anymore. That was too much at night going on there, you know. Oh, okay. So they said, no, you can't build this one here. You have to build this at home. Right. So I, I built that, and the let man across the street just had a fit because every time I'd strike an arc, the swiggies <laughs> would grow through his TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
But I put that thing together, and I won my first top eliminator trophy with yeah. that. So you're, you're building roadsters under the oak tree. How much money would you say you put into, this, into these cars? Oh, very little, yeah. because mostly the parts, it was all labor-intensive, yeah. and I, I had a 41 Ford body out in the backyard with no for chassis or nothing, and it was just full of parts. I would trade parts. Every part I could get my hands on, I'd get it, and then I kept it, and I upgraded and traded and got some money, sold some stuff, and I, I, I wheeled and deal in part. Never, never took one dime for my racing out of our salaries. We would come home and the table, and, she, and we got paid in cash. You know, it was an envelope, and it have on there the withholding and everything. We dumped the envelopes out on the table. She worked at the Chamber of Commerce, and I worked at Langston's, and then I worked some. I did some time at the American Can when the season was good and then I worked in the body shop for Craig Wheeler who taught me how to do metal finishing until I started my own shop and we dumped the money out on the table and we knew how much it was for the groceries the four, groceries was four dollars a week and we knew how much a gas was going to be and usually when it was all done there was maybe a dollar or two left and that would be to go to the movies, to the drive-in yeah. movies. Yeah. It's 50 cents Date a night. piece yeah. to get into the drive-in. And that was our life. I have a bank account statement in the in the museum, in the counter, and it shows us with $2 and something in the bank at one time. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You, you can join yeah. our podcast right, anytime. Exactly. Yeah, so you're, you're on the same kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, so, so through the 50s, you're, you're now becoming sort of the guy. You've, you've built yours. You're, you're winning all the, the top levels. Uh, well, I, I, the epitome of the Flathead Dragster was the NHRA come down to Lake City in 1955, August of 55. This was a big deal because this was like the Southeastern Championships. Okay. And we'd never raced anybody out of the state. Yeah. And uh, so we all go up there. My club was the Strokers, which I was – I was just a member. Strokers. I, I wasn't uh, Did like you have to wear like a jacket or nothing like that. Was there like a jacket that said Strokers on it? No, and, uh, we didn't okay. get that. We just had the plaques okay. on, on, the, on front the front of your okay. car. But that was like a common thing to have like your car club, right? Back then? like that, the guys Very common. Yeah, right. right. And we'd have meetings once, twice a month. And uh, it just, you know, just almost the ice cream socials. No, no drinking whatsoever. There was zero alcohol. And uh, so we all made the trek up there. To the Lake City, and I won top eliminator. Nice, and this is the everybody. big show. This is NHRA. They came down through. from New Jersey, yeah, all over the southeastern part of the United States, yeah. and I won top eliminator. It was unbelievable. With a car that you basically begged, borrowed, and stole to build, yeah. dragster. Yeah. It was so ugly <laughs> that the Hot Rod magazine would not put a picture of it. It just said I won the race and gave me the times. Now, the pictures of the decent constructed cars. Wow. They later really made up for that. They got I got full-page spreads later yeah. about it, <laughs> the hot rod sure. uh, scrapbook and stuff, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you're mentioned now and, pretty uh, regularly. Even. And I just recently, they run a whole bunch of pictures that they had taken at that event of me coming to the line and everything. Yeah. There was nothing in the actual article when it was actually run. Yeah. And so anyway, it's, it's so funny. So the very next club meeting was like a week or so after the event. They got together and bought a little tea set for my wife and I okay. commemorating the event. Yeah. Cause not one member won nothing but me, and I won the whole event. Right, right. And I never forget it. I went up to the front, and a, a guy named was Gene. He said, the club got together and bought this little tea set 
for your win. And he says, I guess you're going to retire now. <laughs> and I said, Gene, why would I do that? He said, because you will never beat the Californians. Wow. And that was August of 1955 and August of 1957. I put my wheel out in front of the Cook and Bedwell car that had never been beaten from California. Yeah. Because, I mean, drag racing, to me, is a Southern California sport. I'm, I'm from Southern California, well, and that's where like, the museum I mean, is there. All the Pomona. aircraft industry, the men yeah. came home, the, the, the machines were out there, yeah. and they were the flyers and everything. I mean, it was it was the hotbed yeah. of yeah. the whole deal. Yeah. So this, this, this guy with some piece-together nonsense from Florida, there's no way he's going to beat a Californian. I, I'm going to tell you about it. There's, okay. there's a good story about that. Okay. When I went out to California in December of 1959, they put on this race at Riverside. They called it the East versus the West. Ah, okay. And I raced all day. I don't know how many of them I raced, but it was five or six different cars. And they just sat there. They weren't running anybody. Yeah. And I'd race and come around. We'd refuel we drop the water on the other end we put fresh water in the staging lane refuel the car look at the plugs and race another one beat every car and uh so we come back i was really proud made 7500 bucks for that one day that's awesome yeah that's, oh, that's, that's awesome that's, that's even awesome. today that's I was like that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I hooked up the I was towing with a 1950 Cadillac four-door sedan that we had built for the re, for the moonshine boys they was going to make a tanker but they never come and got the car so I had a mechanics lean title so wait so this is an actual moonshiners like you built like a car with a hidden yeah compartment? I, I put a real fast engine in this Cadillac and okay. they were going to make a tanker out of it okay the whole back was going to be a tank but it hadn't right. been done yet they right. just had me do the engine sure so they'd be fast. And <laughs> then he didn't come and get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. After I had it about a year, I knew they weren't coming back. Yeah, it's mechanics later at that point. Something must have happened, see. <laughs> Might have got caught. So um, at what, like, was there any moral dilemma when people came to you with a moonshine build, like a project build? You're like, no, I'll do that. Because obviously it's illegal, right? No. Wasn't it legal to... I know, right, right, correct. <laughs> you had I no didn't know what it. they were going to do. With. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. Yeah, copy that. <laughs> so I hooked him. I come back from California, and I'd heard of Smokey Eunuch, and I knew he was a, a big engine builder over on yeah. Daytona Beach. Yeah. So I tow over to Daytona Beach with my rig. And I go in there and tell Smokey, I said, I just, I'm Don Garlis, and I just come back from California. He'd heard of me, yeah. but just, you know, not much. Okay. And uh, I said, I just won that big race at Riverside. I said, I beat seven or eight of the California cars in a row. I want to show you my car. Yeah. He come out there. He walked around it. It's still an open trailer. He said, it looks to me like, he always called me Donnie. <laughs> and later, it was almost like, I was his son. Oh wow! Yeah. Because he only had a only had a daughter. So yeah, Trish. Trish. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, he says, "It looks to me like you put this whole thing together with a buzz box." Uh, like, I said, "I, I did." did. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "And he said, where's the tow vehicle?" I said, "Right there." 
He says, where are the tools and the parts? And I opened up the trunk, and there's a cat. There's a 392 short block sitting there and a little small box of tools. He said, do you mean to tell me that you took this rig and this car and trailer and you went to California and you beat all those hot shots at Riverside and you run seven or eight times? I said, yes, and I had top speed and low ET, too. (laughs) (laughs) He says, don't go anyplace. Wait right here. And he come back in about 10 minutes, and he had an envelope, you know, like a, a business envelope. It was about like this double double napkin. And it, on one side, it had an address, Smokey's best damn garage in town. On the other side, it had a guy's name, a telephone number, and Flint, Michigan. He said, you take this nap, this envelope, and you take somebody, and you drive up to Flint, he says, there's a brand new GMC carryall waiting for you in your name at the at the plant. Wow. I said, are you kidding? He says, I never kid. He said, anybody that can take a piece of crap like this and take it to California and beat those guys out there with all that technology and everything deserves a better tow truck. And that How started cool a that? lifelong friendship with the man. With Smokey. I, I just got I got chills. That's cool. <laughs> I just really got chills right there. That is wow. Yeah. So speaking of the the California guys, um, so in '58, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong about my facts here, but in '58 you set a record, as I remember it, um, but. But you had to drive to Bakersfield to prove that it was real because no one in California would believe you did it. Is that is that a real thing? Uh, in '58 on December the eighth, I went 180 miles an hour even. <laughs> With carburetors okay. at Brooksville, right? right. How was, and they how never was your, believed that. How was your safety gear at the time? I was driving in a t-shirt and sunglasses. <laughs> All okay. right, good, uh, yeah. Good. Hans device? No Hans Everybody device. Everybody was Hutchinson's. He wore the Hutchinson's. He wore the Hutchinson's. Yeah, 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 excuse yeah, yeah. me. <laughs> so you okay? And and so it's a big deal. You go this speed, but no one in California will believe you. So you have to go out there to prove it. So they had me come to California, and uh, they gave me $4,500 oh, right. to oh. come out there and run three events. Okay. But that first event was the biggest drag race that had ever been held and was the biggest for a long time. And this was Over 30,000 people showed up. Wow. And my ET was great. I had just as good an ET as anybody. It was nine O's. And I could have won the race, but then... <clears throat> I went over to Hashem's that night before the race, and I took the engine apart to check it out. And I was running stock 392 pistons in that engine. And one of the little pieces of aluminum with the ring lock, uh, the pin lock sets in, cracked out and blew out. And I should have just put a, another stock piston that I had one. But Ernie Hashem insisted that I put these forged true pistons in there, which were higher compression. And I never realized that I was right on the ragged edge with a stock rod. So as soon as I started the next morning, it just broke a rod right Mm -hmm. in two. And they they said, oh, he sawed the rods because he didn't want to race anybody. I wanted to race them. I could have outrun them. My car was doing great. And I was hell on the flags. And uh, we went up to Kingdom for the next race, which I won handily and top speed, low ET. And then I went to Chandler for the third one. And I won that handily, too, and set a new record at 8.45 seconds. So I come home with a 
4500 bucks, and I was looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at what point did, at what point in this in this phase do you start realizing this could be a living? This could be what you do, and this could be your thing. Well, I had done a lot of match races. It, it, well, I wasn't getting paid all that much. Right, because you still had your regular job for all oh, this. Oh, I had my shop. Yeah, so I opened okay, my yeah. business in '56 yeah. and, and never been never worked for anybody by the hour since. Yeah, right. So uh, and that me and I took so but I was still in my little two stall. I call it my dirt floor garage. Yeah, at twelve eight. 12828 Nebraska Avenue. <laughs> so when I got the $4,500, we could come home with it. Yeah. And uh, and we'd won a little bit. There was a little prize money, too. So on top of that, I got some, so got enough to travel. Yeah. We actually made the trip, uh, four of us, to and from California, three solid weeks, and it cost a little under $500 to do the whole thing. Wow. You could run our Well, podcast. the motel was only $7, yeah. Yeah. and gas was 22, 23 cents a gallon. Yeah. It's a little different now. And uh, a hamburger was 25 cents, you know. Nice. Where were you, where was, what, what was the, what was the hamburger spot? Like, was it always McDonald's? What was the, what was the fast food? It, there was, uh, there was a McDonald's in California, but it was just, uh, there were just hamburger joints everywhere. Okay. There so were, it wasn't like Tampa, today. there was one, the spinning wheel, failures. It was, but the chains hadn't yeah. uh, hadn't erupted yet. Yeah, in those days, it was literally you'd go across the country. And and, but they were and everywhere. Everything was different, right? Yeah. So how did so? I mean, really, the late fifties through the sixties. I mean, I, admittedly, it was actually sixty four. Okay. Nineteen sixty four, when when I won the U.S. Nationals and I was on the U.S. Drag Team and went to England and come yeah. back, the phone rang off the hook and my pay jumped from like four fifty in appearance to up around a thousand dollars. Yeah. And now you're making money. Before yeah, you yeah. just pay in the bills and, and so now uh, this can become the full time profession around. 64. Yeah, I could. I, I turned the shop over to my brother and yeah. uh, and and I would go. My wife and I went out on the road. Yeah, yeah. And so, so I mean, really, you were as sort of what we would now know as the NHRA was kind of blossoming in the '60s. Uh, you were at the forefront of all of this. Like, how much? How much would you say they were sort of pinning around your image and your your ability to help promote? Well, I, I I think I did a good job promoting yeah. the sport. I was always tried to be nice to everybody, and uh, and that was the main thing. It, and it really shows now. I, I have people come into my museum, th- three generations. There'll be the original guy, the old, which is now a real old man, and the younger person, his son, and then his grandson. And he'll say I'll never forget when I saw you at such and such, and this was a little boy, and you let him sit in the car. And he says, uh, we never forgot that. And and, and, this, and the, the famous line in the museum is, they come in, they says, is he still alive? <laughs> <laughs> when we were doing a Google search on you just to see if anything would come up like that we hadn't already discovered. There was like a website that was like, Alive or not? Oh right, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was like Don Garlic's alive or not, and you click on it, it's like alive, alive, confirmed. <laughs> like, well, great, because we're on our way to dinner with them, so <laughs> that's gonna be real awkward. Um, so you were the first person to break uh, 170, 180, 200, 240, 250, and 270 mile an hour barriers. Actually, in the, the in 260 quarter. also in the AHRA. There okay. was the first 260 official was turned by my car at US 30 and backed up for the American Hot Rod Association national record. Yeah. But they don't like that over at NHRA, so they give Amato the credit because he 
he did it at Gainesville. Okay, okay, okay. So what was what was the record that couldn't be beat? Like, was it no one will ever 250. hit 200? 250 was what no one could do. Yeah. Okay. We, we got to that. We, we ran 249.30. Oh, just That's barely. All. Yeah. But you couldn't get over that. And when and was I that? I mean, it was, it was tough. When was that? This is 1975. Yeah. And right. so right. when I was at Indy in 1975, I put deer into drag racing. Okay. And, uh, I mean, I worked closely with him, and it made, it made Marvin – I put Marvin Rifton and him and H into drag racing. Right. And uh, so when I went over and helped – and I, I went over and helped deer because Marvin had become to sh- begin to show partiality to my competitors with the tires. Oh, okay. Right. Yep. yep. He had got some favorites, and mm-hmm. it wasn't me for some reason. Right. Yeah. So I, I went to deer and I said, you need to get into drag racing. And I said, it's a big market. So they they said I will make some tires and see what happens. So I worked with them. So they called me into the trailer. Goodyear called me into the trailer, didn't he? And they said, "There's a set of tires in here that didn't come out just right. You need to look at them." And so they 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 had them mounted on a set of wheels, and they were real big. They were 36 inches tall, and we were running on like 34, 34 and a half. Mm-hmm. These things were 36 inches, and they said. Would you like to have them? I said, of course. Yeah. Dismount them. Give them to me. Because it was their rims. So they give me the tires, and I took them home. I didn't put them on my rims at Indy. And I won Indy. Right. And uh, that was where I beat Shirley in the final. Oh, yeah, okay. It was the first big national event that she went right to the final. And uh, so I took them home, and I mounted them, and I blew them up with air. Because I knew that Ontario was going to be – where you could do it if it could be done. Okay. So I saved them for Ontario, pumped up, overinflated the mm-hmm. whole time. So they weren't going to shrink. If anything, it was going to gain a little bit. So I carried those to Ontario, and then I built a special high-compression engine that would only make a few runs without having to change the rods and stuff. Right. And I had that ready. And so we went 249.30, Five, 5.71, and Beck went 5.69 and <laughs> set the ET record. Yeah. But the record don't count till the meet's over. Uh, there right, was any right. ma- any, only record that's going to count that you're going to get points for is the final record. And, uh, and he went like 2.47, something like that. So we loaded everything up and went back to the hotel. This was a... a Double axle pull along, a tag along trailer. Yeah. Not like we have today. Right, know? right. And we went back to the motel. On the way to the motel, I told my wife, I said, the stage is set. We have our backups. The 71 will give us a backup below 69. And we have the backup to go 250. The 249.30 will back up into 250. Yeah. So we put the badass motor in the car yeah. at the hotel that night. and You uh, and your wife? Me and the wife and, and a guy, Tommy Lemons. <laughs> your wife was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In the middle yeah. of a hotel parking lot. Yeah, at yeah. The, oh. the Montclair Motel. It was just a, a yeah. little dog breath motel. Working on in what's yeah. But they allowed the us to run the, the extension cords out of the room, and they didn't care, you know. <laughs> yeah. And like working on the fastest race car in the world. Yeah. You yeah. Think about in it. In the parking lot. Yeah, in the parking lot. With in Ontario, Cali- Claremont, California. That is the coolest yeah. thing ever. And so we went back the next day, and it was, uh, this was Saturday, I guess. 
and this and now <laughs> the the NHRA was trying to have Beck be the champion because okay. Beck was their favorite and I was the outlaw. Okay. We would come up to make our time trial run and the guy I'm racing against would say, Big Daddy, we know what the sons of bitches are trying to do to you. Take any lane you want. Oh wow. Oh yeah, yeah. my competitors. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And while I'm on that, let me just tell you the the key the the killer one of all, the second round of the eliminations. They ever heard of the Kentucky Moonshiners? Dale Funk and, and uh, Robert Frakes? No, sorry. No, oh, yeah. the toughest yeah. team in the world yeah. come out of the mountains there. Okay. It's me and him. And Dale Funk, big, tough guy, comes over to me. He says, what do you want us to do, big? <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He says, we know what they're trying to do. We want you to go through this round. What do you want us to do? You want me to fail to fire, red light, shut off, or, or what? <laughs> I said, Dale, I said, I know, know what you've ever heard about me, but I never threw a race. Yeah, I don't want yeah. it for free. I yeah. said, yeah. let the best car win. Yeah, absolutely. Tears run out of this man's <laughs> eyes. Yeah. And he said, Robert, put the nitro in it. The old man wants to run. Yeah. He said, Big Daddy, and just hugged me. He says, this is why you're my hero. Yeah. <laughs> and we ran the fastest side-by-side -side ever, 565 and a 571. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I had run, and yeah. but, but back to the 250. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. And that 65 backed up my 63 from the day before. Okay, yeah, so you're good to so go. Anyway, so yeah. we come out to the track, and it's raining. <laughs> oh, God. And it's raining. And, of course, the, if it rains all day, the field is set because right. we run all day Friday. Yeah. So I saw a little peak of sun in the cloud, and I looked at the way it was blowing. I said, it's going to clear up. Get this thing out of the trailer. And we strung a little tarpaulin out so we could put it. It was still sprinkling. Mm -hmm. Strung a tarpaulin, got it out, started getting it ready. And we started that thing up, and, boy, did it sound good. Yeah. So we got right up in line to run. And uh, the guy that I was going to race, they'd had his bad oil down in the left lane. Okay. And I said, do we have to flip? He says, I'd love to give you the good lane. He said, but I'm not in the show, Big Daddy. And he said, you're in deep. He said, i got to make this show. i got to make it, yeah, yeah. i got to go and, for it. And uh, I said, I understand. So I, I got the bad lane. Yeah. And so we started them on the rollers and came up there. But he wasn't there. And uh, I looked at Buster and Buster. And then I said to Buster, I yeah. want over in the good yeah, lane. Me, I, need yeah. the, I need the time. Buster calls yeah. the, the, the tower. Nah, he has to run yeah. that lane yeah. right there. Dicks. Yeah. And so I, I made this burnout. And it's just solid white with the rice ash that went down. And it went, made a long burnout. And... Uh, I just shook my head, and I backed it up. I sat in back of the line for a little bit. Of course, it's building heat, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I, I come within a gnat of shutting it off. And then I thought, no, I, I need a, a start on this motor anyway. So I said, I'll be real cautious. The first that the acceleration falls off, I'll lift. Okay. So I pulled up to the line, and I stepped on it. And the front wheels come up just like that. Uh -huh. And they didn't come down. And I'm in low gear. <laughs> and the wheels are up. Just right, like, they're not right. going any higher, right. but they ain't coming down. Yeah. 
And I'm thinking, God, <coughs> we'll, if I hit that button, it's liable to blow up. Yeah. Up in the tower, in the in the lounges, Paul Candee says to one of the NHRA guys, it's stuck in low gear, and I'm winding it out, right? Right, right, right. It got so high, I finally had to shift, and I put hit the button, and it's on the B&J, and the wheels come down, and it was like a landing. Okay. The rooster tails of smoke come right off those front sure, wheels sure. Yeah. as it hit the track, and I knew that son of a bitch was on one. Yeah, yeah. And I got down, made the turnaround. Everybody's just jumping up and down, screaming, hollering. And it went 250.69, yeah, 5.63 seconds. So cool. In the oil lane. And, it, and yeah. it stood for seven years. Yeah. <laughs> I like that you're thinking all this in, like, in that time, how many Gs of acceleration are you probably pulling at that time, you think? How I many what? How many Gs of acceleration are you? Not much. Oh, really? When you Not first hit, like maybe five. three or four. When, when it first lights off, right? Then it kind of equalizes? Is that the deal? Not like the eight they get today. Right. It's okay. still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> in five seconds. Well, so the coolest thing there is that they wouldn't let you take the clean lane, and you had to do that in the lane with oil driving. Right. But they didn't let you have the clean lane. Well, the thing, what it was, it was actually better because they sprayed so much glue on it Okay. for the rice like, ash. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. But they didn't know that. They I were, got the best <laughs> lane. They didn't yeah. know it. No. Right. They weren't trying to help you. They were trying to hurt you. Yeah. That's awesome. Sticking it to the man. Love it. So, uh, so one of the biggest things about your career is that you pioneered the rear engine dragster after a horrible incident. You want to tell us that story? Anytime somebody gets maimed on this show, we like to talk yeah, it's, about it's, it's, it. Yeah, we like to go for an uncomfortably long time. Well, that slingshot, <laughs> I'd lost so many of my friends. There's about six of them had been killed in those cars. Yeah. yeah. And, and so when you, when you say to, to those who don't know drag racing, what is a slingshot? That's where the, the, the person sets over or in back of the rear end with all the clutch transmission differential right in his lap. Yeah. Right, so yeah. it's, a, it's a long frame rail car, but the engine is this massive beast of an engine is sitting right in front yeah. of you. Have yeah. to look around it. Right, yeah, right. and so when it goes, you're the you're, you're the, first the first one to know to everything. Yeah, yeah. You feel yeah. it all. Yeah. In fact, the final winning run at Indianapolis, I mean at Pomona with the rear engine car, yeah, the first big win. The slingshot's blowing up in the other lane, mm -hmm. and you can see the black chunks in the in the smoke and all. It just went by the guy's head. God, God. yeah, yeah. No thanks. Because yeah. he never yeah. knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> happened so fast. Sure, <laughs> right. But um, anyway. We talk about the, the accident first. It had my own transmission in it. It was a Garlitz drive built by Quartermaster. Me and um, Ed Stoffels had designed it and made it out of uh, Chrysler torque flight parts. Okay. And all the pieces were really good. It's just that the Sprague was really not designed for that type of punishment. The Sprague was a weak link. That Sprague flipped over, let the drum go backwards 27% faster than engine speed okay so as the engine went toward 9,000 yeah as that drum started up marching up to 30,000 and it turned into two pieces and it just didn't fly off mm -hmm. it, it went slow like a big two-blade saw yeah right and my stepped on it so so oh, it just, got the foot so it literally just the, the left foot got saved because I'd let the clutch out it got broken five places but it didn't get cut off yeah right right it cut that car completely in two. Yeah, yeah. And one of those big pieces went straight up right in front of my face, which I didn't see that, but mm -hmm. the pictures show it. And the other piece, I don't know which one cut my foot off, right. but one of them, came down and hit the strip, 
cut all the timing equipment no and way. shut off all the power. Thorpe yeah. had read lit. Yeah. Wow. Because he wasn't even in the picture. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing. He thought yeah. he got hit by oh, yeah. some of that stuff. For sure, yeah. And it went up into the stands and took this kid's arm off. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. And by the grace of God, Mickey Thompson was the first one to the car. Yeah. And he saw what had happened to my foot, and he knew this Donald Larson, the world's best surgeon for reattaching limbs, okay. was over in Pasadena. It's my place. So he had the wife call Donald Larson, and he got on a helicopter, remember, helicoptered over to Pacific Coast Hospital. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, and there was, they didn't even know this kid, what, what, what's happened to him. Right, yeah. right, right. The, the spectator saved his life. He stuck his finger in that main blood vessel where he's just pumping blood out like crazy. Off the kid's arm. And where the arm come off. Yeah. So a spectator kid loses his arm, and then another fan puts his finger in the artery to stop it from pumping all bleeding his blood the, out because it's, it's, it's the main artery. And, you um, know, drag racing yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so 70s. Fortunately, <laughs> they had another ambulance there. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And... Uh, the kid got to the hospital just a little behind Dr. Larson. Okay. And we're sitting there together in the in the ER, you and the side man. by side. Yeah. Wow. And um, I had my piece of my foot in my hand. <laughs> originally, <laughs> because they're like, you gotta keep this. It was yeah. still hanging by a little bit, but was those one of those swoop back ambulances like mm-hmm. the old hearses? Yeah. Okay. Right. And the they hadn't pushed the gurney in far enough, and they slammed the door, <laughs> and off come the piece. They opened the door back up and just threw it in there to me. Yeah. It's a, this is true stuff. Like, oh, yeah, my, you, well, you did make that up. That's, um, <laughs> hey, don't forget your toes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Safety. So Dar- Larson. Was the guy smoking? I imagine the guy was smoking. Sorry. Looked at like, the, my piece and said, there's nothing I can do with that. He said, but... I might be able to save this kid's arm. I said, go for it. And uh, one year later, with the rear engine car at the same track in the same event, the kid helped us on the crew. Oh, that's so oh, how awesome. Cool is that? That's the cool. <laughs> how functioning was his arm? Yeah. How, was it normal? Was his arm? Was it Almost. Limited? Yeah. Not perfect, but Pretty better than close. nothing. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a carpenter and has a nice family and everything. Wow. Wow. Great, great deal. Uh, wow. So what they do to your foot? Because it looks like you're, yeah. you're normal. It's all yeah. gone from the metadorsal forward. Okay. Okay. So, so just like a nub. It hurts every day. Oh, God. Really? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. have to be careful about being on. Uh, the, the Nike Air shoes saved me. <laughs> oh, oh, there's a plug. Yeah, yeah, sure. There you go. Because <laughs> they hit on your heel. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and they wanted to put a hip in. And I said, I don't want no hip. <laughs> yeah. And they said, why don't you try some Air shoes of some type? So I went down, got me some Nike ears, and that was that fixed everything. How cool is that? They better be sending you checks, man. Yeah, <laughs> we never tried to contact them or nothing. Oh, uh, we got to make. We'll handle happen. it. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> nothing will actually happen, but we we'll, don't we'll care. All they care about is basketball. Sure. Wow, that's uh, incredible. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't know about the kid in the stands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's yeah, the that's first time we've heard about somebody sticking a finger in an artery. Yeah, to stop bleeding. Well, we're up to it. So that was right. 1970. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, and the, the, you know, they sold you pit passes in those days to go in the pits, and he had one. And they always sold it as a stating that this was insurance. That's why you had to buy it. But 
In fact, it was an insurance. It was just extra funds that they were getting. Yeah, right. So there was no insurance for the kid. And motorsports? <laughs> so. Oh, right. So they're like. They didn't want to pay his hospital bill. The kid who just had his arm severed off by a dragster. And it was around 16000 I told him you should pay the hospital bill and get it. That's all it's going to be. Nah. HR didn't want to do it, so they ended up paying 50000 yeah. for the attorney. For, yeah, once he had lawsuit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well. But it's cool that you were able to stay in touch with the kid and he was able to yeah, accrue for it. Yeah, got to come back and got to be on your team, you know. Yeah, that's just yeah, helped that's out. That's really yeah. neat. Yeah. So the move to rear engine dragsters, was it because you just didn't want to go through that again, or did you see a speed advantage? Mm-mm. I had hoped that I would be able to set up front and get a few more years in my career and be just semi-competitive. Okay. I never thought the thing would be better. Interesting. I knew it was safer, and I had sat in that Dwayne Ong's car before. He had one before me, and the visibility was just fantastic, you know, after looking around them for years and years. Mm -hmm. And... uh, but everybody was so against them, you know. So a big innovation motorsport. People hate it when they first see it. Especially God, safety related. How did I, weird. Did I tell Tradition. you what Chrysler said? Heritage. Uh, o- over the rear engine car deal. Hmm. They were having a seminar in Clearwater. And I'm over in Sefner working on it, testing. Not having any luck at all, you know. The, the, there was, the press was on me all the time. Yeah. I got a call every day. Yeah. How's it going? Because it wasn't successful right away. Right off. Ran off the track again, I said. That's uh, for three months, it ran off the track. You couldn't do it today with the barriers the way it is. Okay. You'd crash, and, and that'd be it. Yeah, right, right, but right. I was at that track at Bithlow, had 100 feet of dirt on each, yeah. from, on each side. Yeah. So having this seminar over in Clearwater, and it's about super stocks. And um, one of the guys says, this question is about Big Daddy and that range and dragster. He's trying to work on over in Stefner. What do you guys at Chrysler think about that? Tom Hoover, the Mr. 426, said, at Chrysler, we have the utmost respect for what Don Garlitz has done in racing and what he's done for Chrysler. But this time, we think he's bit off more than he can chew. That's a great way to challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when they put you in the crappy lane, you went and blew out the 250 record. So hang on, boys. <laughs> you don't seem to mind a challenge. Yeah. Every car out there is because of my car. It's just a little, they're just minor changes. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Man. I, I always say, you know, they always ask me, what do you think your best achieve, greatest achievement was? It wasn't any records or anything. It was that car, developing that car. And I'll tell you, I came this close of not finishing the project. On you the know that engine. story? No. Okay, we're three months into it, and it's in December now. Right. And we have not made a pass from point A to point B. What was the, what was the problem? Steering. Okay. You go down that track, you just do it like that, and it drives right off the street. Yeah, yeah. And so we snapped together. This was 14, the rear engine car. So we built Swamp Rat 15, the m- most awesome slingshot 
ever made. No transmission, high gear only. And it's on the jig and I'm doing the body panels. And the wife comes out in the shop. She says, what is that? She knew what it was. I said, honey, that's my car for 1971. I said, we ain't got down the drag strip with the engine car. And I right. said, in three weeks, I gotta be at Long Beach. Yeah, we gotta eat. <laughs> said, you would get back in one of these things after it's mutilated you like this? I said, honey, this is what I do. <laughs> I said, it don't have a transmission. She says, there was no transmission in those six friends of yours that were killed in the last two years. It was always something. It was a clutch. It was a rear end. It was the blower hit them in the face. She says, there's a hundred things up there that can kill you. She says, let me tell you something, Don. Uh-oh. <laughs> Using names. Yep. <laughs> when she used my name. Right. She, was it the was, middle name coming that, that meant pay okay. attention. Yeah. yeah, right, right. She said, you got two good hands, and you got those by the grace of God. And that's a story, too, we need to tell. And she says, you got a good head on your shoulders. And you got all these nice machines in here, and all sitting right there in that museum. And you got those two men back there that'll do anything you say. If there's anybody on this planet that can make this work, it's you. Now get back on it. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And so we go yeah. to the track the very next night. We're working on the wrong end of the horse. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we did was about the rear end, and yeah. we were trying to jack Wade into it. We we had spools. We had Detroit lockers. We had open rears. Nothing did the low pressure in one side, high pressure. Right. And I go down the track, and off it goes again. So we're coming home yeah. in the truck. And, I mean, we don't know what we're going to do. The party's almost over. <laughs> yeah. And I'm riding what I call shotgun. That's in the passenger seat. TC's right here, and Swingle's driving. And I got my hat pulled down over my eyes. And I said, you know, boys, if I didn't know better, I'd think the steering was too fast. But that can't be it, because we've got that steering on that car just exactly the way it come off the slingshot. And Swingle said, but Gar, this ain't a slingshot. This is a front driver. If you think the steering's too fast, we'll just slow it down. So that night, we lengthened the arms on the spindles and shortened the arm on the little steering box. See, there was no rack and pinions yet. And the, went back the next day, straight as a string. But the part that was so exciting was it went 6.86 seconds on 75% nitro, and the track record was 6.85 oh, by the Ram Chargers yeah. three wow. or four weeks before when they had a big meet there that I didn't even go to. Right. Wow. Right. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. We couldn't get yeah. in the trailer fast enough. <laughs> I got this brand-new slingshot on the jig. What am I going to do with that? The phone rings. It's good. Here. Jerry Tiffin. Don, we got a serious problem here at Goodyear. I hope you can help us. I said, what do you need, Jerry? He said, we got to have a car, and we got to have it this weekend at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. What have you got? I said, I got just the car. I told him what I'd built. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Brand new. He says, how much you want for it? I said, 7500 
Oh, great. He says, how much to get, take it out there and have it there by the weekend? I said, another 2500 10000 Oh, that's great. We'll wire you the money. So we took the rear engine car all apart and, and stored the engine up on the engine rack, and the rear end was sitting on the floor, and we tied the frame up in the roof of the little trailer, and a few body panels just laid on the floor with blankets. And we head to California with the slingshot sitting right there, and it looked real. And we pull into Waterman's in the middle of the night. He had a shop, an engine shop, and all the guys are there, Cook and Goldstein, everybody, okay. you know. Have you got the rear engine car? Yeah, let's see it. So I opened the little side door, and I got a flashlight, <laughs> and I shine in there, and they see the slingshot. Oh, I knew it wouldn't work. Oh, thank God our slingshots are okay. <laughs> and I shut the door, and we take it over to the Coliseum and drop it off to Goodyear, and we go get us a good night's sleep. <laughs> Well, the next morning, we go out to Long Beach. Have any of you ever been to the Long Beach track? Not the drag strip. We've been to the, the road course quite a bit. Well, yeah. the gate is a half a mile from the pits. Okay. And then the pits and all the way down there. So I pull in at the gate. And who's at the gate? But Jim Tice himself. He was always where the money was coming in. And now. Got the rear engine car? Yeah, let's see it. And I open up the door. Ain't nothing there. He's looking for the car. The, the frame's up there, yeah. I said, there's the frame. Garlets. He says, you are under a $100,000 contract. 10 races, $10,000 each race. This is the Grand American Series of Professional Drag Racing. And you pull in here with something like this? You should be ashamed of yourself. You pit right here by the gate. So at least when the spectators come in, they'll see the sign on the trailer. So I'm up there by the gate. We're putting it together, you know, me and TC. One guy. Here comes the snake. This is Don Prudhomme, yeah. for those who don't yeah. know who the snake right, is. Right. Yeah, who's the like the, yeah. the rival. He's yeah, like yeah. the Don Garlitz of drag racing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says, I guess this is one way to get publicity. Oh, because like, he's like, you're not doing you, it. You yeah. can't race anymore. Yeah, right, right, right. So they had just had this big crash at Long Beach. Pat Foster had crashed a Woody rear engine car. It was hurt pretty bad. He goes down to the fuel pits, and he gets all the fuel guys together. And... He said, what are we going to do? He says, that. He says, you know, he's going to have a good motor in that thing. He said, you're going to be racing him. He's going to come right over there. He said, there's no way that, that we can run time trial with him and race with him without getting crashed, going to get hooked up with him uh, on the top yeah, end. Yeah. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let's just tell him that if they let him run, we don't run. And he can't run it with just him. So they go to Pappy, C.J. Hart, and he was happy to hear that because he was the one that had to go pull Fat Foster out of the wreckage. He didn't like that. Oh, uh, yeah, probably pretty bad. And then he went to Tice because Tice had the track least. <laughs> he had the final say. And he was the Barnum and Bailey of drag racing. Okay. okay. And he's got all these fuel guys there. He's got his cigar. He says, boys, he says, I got a better idea. This is what we'll do. We'll make Garlitz make every time trial pass. And it's got to be a full pass from the starting line to the finish line. If he shuts off, he's got to come back and do it again. 
And that's going to be six runs. And if he touches the outer barrier line or the center line on any one of those runs, he's in the trailer and has to go home. Now, in the unlikely event that he makes all those six runs and doesn't touch the barrier lines and qualifies, would you run him on Sunday? And it was real quiet. And then a guy said, yeah, that's a good idea, Jim, because the son of a bitch will be dead by then. There's nobody going to make six full-pass runs in a rear-engine car and survive, right. and we'll be shit of him. <laughs> so he qualified about number three. <laughs> and it went right to the final. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on, I, I staged with Gary Cochran. I'll never forget it. And the light went yellow-green, and I stepped on it. And all of a sudden, I saw all this black smoke. It was deja vu. It was no black smoke. It was fine. But Cochran was out. He blew and, up. And it pulled right up to him, but I didn't get him. Uh, oh, he did. Okay. Uh, yeah, 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 this yeah, was yeah. the HRA. Yeah. But that didn't happen again. <laughs> and a rear engineer was born. It was born. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That, that's so funny. So what's the hands? It's a fire story, I think, right? Is that the hands? Oh. You were saying your wife was saying you're blessed to still have okay. your hands. What is, yeah. yeah. That was Chester. Chester, South Carolina. June the 20th, 1959. I was going to set a, I was trying to go 180 at Chester with the supercharger. And just as I entered the traps, it backfired, blew the bottom out of the manifold, and then that smashed in the, the valley cover on the engine, and the oil come out of the engine, mixed with the fire coming out of the blower and the nitro, and I got pictures in my trailer of it. It was terrible. It started small, and then it got big and went white. It was so hot. And I had no gloves, and by the grace of God, my wife had given me a leather jacket when I left the house for the track that weekend. And she said, you ought to wear this because that, the roll cage won't protect your shoulders real bad, real good in a, if it turns over or something. And this would be some protection. That same, <laughs> a, le a leather jacket? A, a, a black leather jacket. Guy, can you make sure yeah, that, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. And yeah. Um, <laughs> but a, no face mask, just goggles. Yeah. Why, why would you? No gloves. Okay. No gloves. With an engine so, right in front of you. About six weeks in the hospital, the uh, doctor came to me and said, he, he, would just, he just bandaged my hands. He wouldn't do nothing. Yeah. They were just like this. And he'd unwrap them and look at them and bandage them back up. He didn't know nothing about burns. Sure. And there's starting to be some little, you could see some little lines, red lines. He says, that's blood poisoning setting in. He said, I need to take those hands off. Oh. And I said, I'd rather be dead. Yeah. So he went right to the wife. Because they would, no, or she could sign it, see, because they right. could say, well, he's out of his head. Yes, sir. Cut his hands off. And she said, oh. if he don't want his hands off, he don't have to have them off. Mm -hmm. If he chooses to die, that's his, that's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. So the doctor said, you need to find a hospital because I don't want him dying under my care. Mm -hmm. So she called a Tampa Municipal, which was now Tampa General, 
and she talked to the hospital administrator, and they were very nice. And they said, you can bring him here, Miss Garlitz, and we'll keep him comfortable while he dies. Says, we, we believe in the patient having the last say about what they won't cut off of him or right. not. So they took me. We got on a train. We got a berth. We rode down to Tampa. My brother picked us up at the railway station, and we drove to the hospital. And I walked into the emergency, and I was just sitting in there in a chair. Yeah. And this Dr. Cullen come down. And if there was any doctor who was ever sent by God, this was the guy. And he had done 5,000 sets of hands Jeez. in Korea on the tank oh, burns. yeah. It's the same deal. See, they're in there. The bazooka hits the tank, sets the whole inside on fire because the jerry cans are right in there with the gasoline. Yeah, right, exactly, yeah. And it, they just all burst into flame. And only a couple of guys get out, and they're burned seriously. Sure. The rest are just burned to death, you know. Yeah. And he, I'll never forget it. He unwrapped the bandages, and the hands are just like that. And he took that little finger and he just did it just like that. And the up. blood just popped out of it. And then he took the other one and the blood just popped out of it. And he said, get this man right up to surgery. He's got good blood flow. Yeah. In 30 minutes, he was on me. Yeah. I mean, today it would be pre-op and <laughs> checking all the insurance and <laughs> right, signing. Right. Nobody signed nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just did it I woke up and my arms were in two stainless steel troughs with saline solution and they stayed that way for six weeks hmm. oh, and God. the skin just grew around just so nice because it was all damp see mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that saline solution and today on the ships they have a, a, a room that's filled up with salt water and <clears> when <throat> the sailors get burned they just go in there and they're in there in the nude they stay in that right 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 yeah and uh, so i mean can that's why the wife said you got two good hands by the grace of god right right Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Things are different. Sometimes it's hot inside my car. Yeah. It's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> so you you go on, you win seven. So if my records are correct, 17 world championships between the assorted drag series that, that you race with, 144 national wins, which is insane. And so... I I had thought you were retired, and then I I read that you're still messing around with electric cars. What's what is this all about? Yeah, we 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 did a um, in 2000 they they built a little electric dragster uh, for Daryl Gwynn. Okay. In secret. Okay. And they brought it to the U.S. Nationals, and it's Saturday night they rolled it up the starting line with a tarp over it. And they rolled Daryl Gwynn up there in his wheelchair. Yeah. Do y'all know about that? Uh, uh, for those who don't know, so so Daryl had a pretty pretty rough one several years ago when he's yeah, now yeah, paraplegic? He's paraplegic. Yeah, right, okay. A bad dragster accident yeah. in England. Yeah. And so they unveiled it, and the roll cage was just on there with hose clamps. They took the roll cage off, and some men lifted Daryl up and set him down in this little dragster that had the same control as his wheelchair, a little okay, joystick. A little joystick, yeah. And Daryl Gwynn puts down the Indianapolis Raceway Park on a Saturday night in front of 100,000 fans in this little dragster going about 20 miles an hour, That's and there wasn't cool. a dry eye in the house. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine? He never thought he'd ever be on a drag strip again. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Much less in a little dragster. <laughs> yeah. So the following week, the phone rings, and it's Daryl. He said, I got this idea. He says, why don't we build two of these cars, replicas of our 86 car when we fought the world championship so fiercely, and he said, ah, we'll do two out of three match races at the, the Nationals, and we'll raise money 
for the Spinal Cord Injury Foundation. Okay, yeah. I said, yeah. good idea. Yeah. How fast are we going to go? He says, well, let's go 100 miles an hour. Make them about a 100-mile-an-hour car. We'll be exciting. But that didn't work. That joystick, you just can't do it. Okay, okay. It's too, too sensitive. Right, yeah, right, sure. Right. So we kept taking batteries out, batteries out, till we got them down around 32 miles an hour, and then Daryl could race. Yeah, okay. And so we did this tour, mm-hmm. and uh, he won the match race <laughs> at Indianapolis and <laughs> so got a cool. Wally for it. Oh, how cool. Okay. And so it was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You know. Electric drag world champion, absolutely. And uh, so <laughs> we then took him to the Barrett-Jackson and sold him, got a quarter of a million dollars for him, and, oh. and that went to charity. Yeah. Okay. So it was a really win-win yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. But I always, deep down in my heart, I wondered – what if they would go faster? So I said to Weird. Mike Gary, <laughs> the guy that designed them, I said, how fast do you think we could go, Mike, if we took the gloves off? He said, you know, we might be able to go 200 miles an hour. I said, let's do it. And so Swamp Rat 37 was born. That was almost five years ago. And we very quickly raised the record from the 156, which I have that car in the museum. That was, a, that was Lawless's car. And we went 176, and then we went 184, and then we went 185, and that's where we run into the wall. We did get 705, which was really good, and not even on a full run, so there's a lot of ET potential. And I just, so last, this, earlier this year, I just got to really thinking about it. And I, the car that we, 37, is based on a 300-mile-an-hour dragster. And I got to thinking, why am I using a chassis for a 300-mile-an-hour dragster with a, that was designed for over 10,000 horse, and I only have 1,000 horse? I'm not trying to harness that kind of power. I need something more of what we had when we went 200 miles an hour. So I went into the museum, and I looked around, and I decided that the Swamp Rat 14 was probably the best deal, pretty close to that. So I called the S&W chassis people. They have some kits, you know. I didn't want to have to go to Bend and all that stuff all over again. I have the stuff, but it's a lot of trouble, you know, if it's just you get a kit. And so I ordered up an S&W, just a standard dragster kit for like a competition dragster. And nice lightweight car. It's almost finished. Okay. We're so you're just scaling back. Yeah, Is it yeah. the, the Short, shorter wheelbase, yeah. Yeah. smaller. Uh, one motor, okay. and of course the battery technology now has leapfrogged. So yeah. the batteries in the original car were 750 pounds. The battery in this car is only 240 oh, pounds. Sh- that's massive! Oh, wow. <laughs> and you've got the lighter chassis, yeah. most likely, and less. Yeah. So when's the expected? Uh, I, we're we're under six weeks oh. of being on the track. Oh, awesome! The Very body's finished. Yeah. We're doing the final welding. It'll all go together, and it takes one day down at the motor shop for them to wire everything up. Okay. The batteries are in the incubator. They're being nursed. They're, they're really sensitive. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, yeah. It's these phone batteries, you know, a couple okay. thousand of them no, wired wow. together. I did not know that. Yeah. Interesting. But they make a lot of power, 2,500 yeah. uh, watts or amps, 400 volts. Okay, that is. It can hurt you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so how, like, once you run the car one time, how long can it, until it can run again? 30 minutes. So it's a 30-minute charge to get that going again. So that's and we'll horrible. test right in on my driveway. At the, we'll take it right out in the driveway at the museum and do a couple burnouts okay. and everything with it and, yeah. and see how it reacts. Okay. 
and then if it looks like we got a, a go, yeah. then we'll line up the track for Bradenton. Okay. Very cool. So, because right now the barrier is 200. Like, there's like a half dozen of you guys with electric drags, and no one's been able to. Yeah, break some guy yet. down in Texas went 186, and that's all he could do. He burned everything up as soon as he. What would happen as soon as we could run those numbers and not hurt anything? And the minute you turn up the amps, the motor burns up. Uh, okay. So yeah, yeah. one thing, we've changed the gearing so that the 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 speed at 200 should be right at what this motor's supposed to run at. Okay. It's got a thousand foot pounds of torque. Okay. Yeah. Well, that we've seen that with all the electric cars that are like racing related now on our side. Like they're the fastest accelerating things out there. You know. But they just can't keep the heat. Can't keep the heat. And they yeah. can't keep up. Yeah. So where can I watch this once it's done? Because I mean, this show probably won't air until Thanksgiving November, somewhere. Yeah. Um, by that point, you'll have been on track or at least getting pretty close. Th so. Thanksgiving. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah. So where, where am I going to be able to check this out? Is it going to be on well, we'll, YouTube, a website? Or? Yeah, we'll, we'll have it on Facebook, on okay. the museum Facebook page. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely push that. Yeah, That's no, where we, no that, when, we're gonna have a, when we're going to do the event, we'll post it. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, the, the, the plan is to take it to the track and actually run the 200 okay. or whatever it does, even if right. it just runs. If it goes, see, the record is like 186 period, and I had it at 185.60, so the guy went four-tenths of a mile an hour faster than me. Mm -hmm. So if we set the record, you know, if we raise, and when we go to the track to test, if we set the record, it'll be official because mm -hmm. anything we do will be good. Right. But then we would make the big announcement that we're going to do it. That you're going to go bring the press and all out. Uh, and say, yeah, okay. yeah, you want to make sure yeah, you do and it. And then <laughs> go out there and actually, when we know we can actually do it. Right. Uh, okay. That would be so cool. Do you want us to leave that in or do you want us to say the magic? I don't care. He's confident. I don't care. So uh, we have Don the Snake Prudhomme. We have uh, we have Mongoose. How, how does somebody earn a nickname? Because I, I, no one assigns themselves a nickname. Drag racing is so big on nicknames, especially in your era. Um, compared to, say, NASCAR. The, the, or, the or names you're usually hung on them by somebody, by somebody else. else. So well, like, yeah, well, that's almost a rule. Like, if yeah. you give yourself a nickname, that nickname's not your nickname. Yeah, exactly. yeah You don't get to choose. They called <laughs> the, the, the people, mate. They just called a snake. Sure. Because he was, he was quick and he was sneaky. <laughs> he was like a snake. <laughs> right, right. They don't call him the snake for nothing. Yeah, right. So, uh, I mean, you can look this up, but for those who, who are not necessarily big drag racing knowledge, Big Daddy, obviously, that's that is who you are. Um, first of all, can anyone call you Big Daddy, or do you have to earn the right to call you Big Daddy? Like you just met us two hours ago. Not anybody can call me. Not Big Daddy anybody wants can. To. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I've heard he said Big. Yeah. He's been called Big. Obviously, Big Daddy. Don, when your wife gets mad yeah. at you, um, and then also Gar. Yeah. So that's like six. You know, we're coming the snake up. Snake always called me Tampa Dan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't calling him by his nickname. He ain't earned it. Yeah, and then right. he just yeah. say Tampa. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> so where did where did Big Daddy come from? That was Bernie Potridge, the NHRA announcer. It's okay. A, it's Indianapolis, 1962. Okay. NHRA, uh, the Chrysler has told me to build a gasoline dragster and compete in the NHRA Nationals, which was all gas. They just built this new wedge motor. They wanted to see it out there performing. Okay. I was running the 392s on nitromethane. So I built a gas dragster and I go to Indy and I got my wife and my two little toddlers. Well, obviously I'm not going to go there and just start running good. This is my first experience. So the, the kids, the sportsmen on gasoline start making fun of me. 
and they say, "Ah, that's Daddy Garlitz over there. He was he was good once, <laughs> but he's over the hill now." Yeah. <laughs> and then the announcer picks up. Here comes Daddy. Let's see what he's going to do this time. Right. Too bad, Daddy. Come back again and try it again. Right, right. It was breaking axles. It was doing everything. Yeah. So Coletta comes over, and he's got a Hemi dragster gas. He says, Don, he said, would you mind driving my car one time? He was there with his wife and little boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, I want to hear it run from the outside. It's making a funny sound. I can't tell what it is in the car. So I jumped in his car. I was 100 pounds lighter than him. I was 110 pounds. He was 210. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. I just dropped way down in there. Set the world record. <laughs> <laughs> and Not in my car. And the announcer says, well, I guess we'll call him Big Daddy from now on. He just set the record. Awesome. That's so and cool. a legend is born. And it right. went on the wire services. Yep. So in, in so safety in, in road racing, like especially open wheel racing, road, open wheel racing right now is going through some massive changes in terms of what they're doing for safety. And it's constantly talking about Formula One. The cars look dramatically different this year. Um, Drag racing made a fundamental shift a few years ago when they shifted to 1,000 yards. Um, 1,000 feet. 1,000 feet, excuse me. Terrible <laughs> yeah, big mistake. Difference. So, okay, that's what I was going to ask. Is you've been around since, you know, since they, before they the initial report. It was so simple. That it, was a, it was a quick fix deal when, when Scott when Coletta Scott got killed. Yeah, right. It was only supposed to be until the end of the year, and yeah. then they were going to organize it with the crew chiefs and slow the, all the engines down. Yeah. And the crew chiefs, that was like going to the foxes to figure out how to stop yeah, the exactly. foxes from going in the uh, hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't do a good job, guys. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're not paid to go slow. They're Absolutely. paid to go fast. Yeah. But it's a simple thing. They could have put smaller fuel pumps on them, cut the size of the blowers down, and uh, everything would have been fine. So your 100% quarter mile should stay quarter mile. It That's should stay quarter mile. And... Uh, if there's any places just so short, then they could run a thousand feet there. But most of the places would be fine if you only went 300. Yeah, and they could make them go 300 just like that. Yeah. And the spectator couldn't tell the difference. I'm pretty there. sure once you hit 250, you, no one knows what they're looking at. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, so. because it's accelerating so fast, yeah. you can't actually appreciate it yeah. in that last few feet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, makes sense. And it's me. made the race too short. I mean, 3.7 seconds, spare me. Yeah. I mean, the poor spectator. He turns his head like that, the race is over. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I get a lot done in three seconds myself, but I understand what you're saying. So we're going to meet uh, tomorrow night with uh, Derek Bell. Do you know Derek? Have you heard that name? Uh, Derek Bell. He's a longtime sports car driver. He won Le Mans several times. Um, okay. Uh, if you could ask any sort of question of, like, a historic, legendary sports car driver, um, if you could ask any one question, what would it be? And it doesn't have to be racing-related. It is. It is race-related. I've always wondered about a sports car driver that really is, that's what he is. Yeah. What is What is never kept him from actually taking that talent and going into some of the big round tracks? Is it because it's too boring or <laughs> or is it something else? Sure. That's okay. my question. Okay. What, because you don't see him do that very often. No, you're right. That's and a great you'd question. Think if they actually. could turn yeah. right and left, they wouldn't have any trouble just, just turning left. left all the time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That mm-hmm. is a fantastic question. So, okay, we'll pass that along. All right. So, so obviously, in Ocala, Florida, is the Don Gartlett's Museum. It's open every day, but Thanksgiving and Christmas from nine to five. Correct. Yep. Um, you can, by invitation or by by special uh, reservation only, a few times a month, you're willing to give private tours. I give pri- personally give private tours. That is amazing. So. 
you came to join us having no idea what we were all about and 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 learning what podcasts are and <laughs> if you were going to you know sort of be what what would you like for say a a 20 year old who doesn't really know much about drag racing but likes racing in general what would you hope your legacy would be for somebody like that well i would just like to any i say this to any young person i i want to give i want to just put it right out front I could not, I would not be here, the museum would not be here, and none of this would be happening if it wasn't for my Lord. I'm a firm believer in God. I believe he's in control of everything. And every time that I put my faith in that, my prayers have been answered. And I, I, I could write a book about it. And so I say to young people, do the right thing and i don't care what your religion is but just remember there is a big creator up there that's in charge of everything and he's watching everything you do and if you try to do right and live right and keep your faith in him you'll just be amazed and i'm the living proof of it cool do you know tony stewart at all tony's tony stewart the nascar driver Yes. Okay. He's actually in the car waiting for us right now. He's been driving us around the country. Yeah, yeah and he gets cranky. He gets, he's getting a little cranky, so we should cranky. probably get going. So yeah. uh, what do you think? I think uh, Continental's got the check. Yeah. Meow, 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 meow. I'm finished. What a cool guy. When we talked to Don, everything that he told us had like a sparkle in his eye. He's still excited even at his age now to do what he's doing, and we're really excited to get to meet him. And if you get a chance, definitely look him up. If you're in the Gainesville, Florida area, they have the awesome Don Garlitz Museum, which is right off the highway. So look into it, and uh, I, I couldn't have been happier with him. So thank you again to Acura and this MDX for taking us across country. And, of course, what tire, Ryan? Cat metal tire. And be sure to tag both of those companies in any sort of post, letting them know how much you appreciate what uh, what they're doing to get us out here because uh, that stuff makes more difference than you can imagine. And now we do have one really important thing we got to talk about here. Sure. Sam Elliott. Oh, right. We need to get Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. So if you listen to our show, you know that we've never really talked about Sam Elliott before. Correct. <laughs> but we decided that we want him yep. for no reason other than it's Sam I Elliott. I don't know that he races per se. We'll find out. But we thought maybe somehow we can get our fans to figure it out. Yeah. Get us in touch with them. So go, world. Yeah, make that happen. Let's listen to a song. I like songs. This is Anna Volpe. She's available on Bandcamp. It's A-N-N-A-V-O-L-P-E. This is Keep You Safe. So you're not alone Take time to find your glow And when the light decides to fade 